Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Imran. I'm Colin. And we are coming to you on the Bank Holiday Monday uh, after the Southampton win. So that was two days ago, so it's obviously living fresh in the memory. Uh, we have just been so eager to talk about what was a pulsating game uh, down, at, down, at the, down at Southampton. But actually, to be fair, this was our first win away from home quite some time, wasn't it? What was it? First win in... Uh, too long away from home i don't know the exact number but certainly too long i also saw an interesting stat um in our last away win i don't even know who it was against we played Maguire, lindelof shaw and aaron wambsaka none of whom started this game and had pogba and lingard in midfield only four players only four players who started this game started that game um well yeah it was, it was a we ground out a one nil win um not the most uh lively game Really, not the most exciting, but it was actually good to grind out a win for once. It feels like a while since we've done that. Um, what were your initial thoughts coming out of the game? Just happy with the points? <laughs> I mean, I was obviously happy with the points. I think, uh, you know, you're four games into the season, but you're already in a, in a place where you're like, we don't want to lose too much ground. You don't want to, you know, lose more games, even though realistically our expectations should probably still be quite middling. Um, so, yeah, I was happy to win the points and happy with individual performances. Overall, I thought we were pretty bad. Um, it didn't, and I'm not saying that you know that my expectation was much higher than that. Um, but I thought there was very little in the performance to take quite a lot of joy from, other than the the three points, you know. But did we need to be any good? That's the real oh, another question as well. Did we need to be good? Southampton weren't up to much either. I thought. Um, I think XG has them slightly ahead of us. Um, yeah, mainly I think it was because like of 1. that one three, chance. and they had a slight point over us. If you know, yeah, what I mean. because Emma of that. Was... I think because of that chance in the first half where the guy skied it from a corner. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, obviously you only need to be as good as you have to be. Ultimately, particularly if you're good defensively, you know, the bar is quite low as to how well you actually have to play generally if you're going to keep a clean sheet all the time, um, which is hugely encouraging and was probably the best part of the performance was certainly how the entire back four played. I just think I felt during the game, it just felt like we were playing Southampton's game not our game, if you know what I mean. I'm not sure we know exactly what our game is at the moment, and it's very early in in Ten Hag's um, United career, I think, for the, the team to even know themselves exactly what they want to do. Um, and it was a very stark contrast to Liverpool because they're completely different games. You know, you're going from a game where we have not the lion's share of the ball and where the players know they have to be totally frenetic and at it and where you are going to see a much wider and open and expansive game because we'll go at them and they'll go at us kind of thing. Um, to a game where you're getting the exact opposite, Southampton just completely sat off, didn't press too high at all, didn't press too vigorously, really just got into banks of four. Um, and then after the goal, they kind of came on to us a lot. But yeah, it's just a very different kind of game. Ultimately, the games against the mid-table teams, Emran, I'm almost more interested in the games against the top six. Do you know what I mean? Because like the Liverpool game, is, as amazing as it was, we had that under Ole, and it was like every other game was the issue and that has been the way for so long is that when teams do come and park the bus or when we have to actually play up and um, that we struggle i'm not sure i got much of an answer but three points is better than one or zero you know i felt it was more of a direct response to the the brentford game is what i i felt um i felt it was more about us being very solid making sure we i, I think ten hag obviously preempted the fact that they southampton would try the the brentford and brighton hoof it down our left channel tactic and it was more about getting winning those balls winning those second balls being competitive in there that's why i thought actually mctominay not on the ball 
didn't have a great game, but off the ball was pretty good. Uh, about getting himself around, making sure he was first to those second balls, or just generally being in, making himself a bit of a nuisance. And I feel that that was more of our game plan was just to make sure that we were solid, had a solid base, weren't giving away anything daft, and then hopefully work something at the other end, which we kind of did, even though we didn't work too much at the end. We probably should have scored in the first half after a bit of pinball. Um, Fernandez, Ericsson, oh, yeah. I think Alanga as well, all could have scored from that. But then after that, really, the Bruno goal was the only attack we had. So yeah, going forward on the ball, not the best performance, but I was pretty happy with how solid we were. We looked very solid, I thought, um, with Varane and Martinez again having a good game together. Um, Tommy did actually doing a decent job of shielding, and you think that shielding jump can only get better when Casemiro comes in and does it. Um, another good play good game from Malasia and Dallo probably had one of his best games for us, I thought. Um, after a decent showing against Liverpool defensively, he was actually probably our best attacking outlet in the game. Yeah, I think he probably was, and I think that's been a season-long, you know, upwards trend kind of thing. I think he's potentially showing signs that he might thrive under. A complete lack of competition at right back. Obviously, Aaron Wabstaka is clearly not in Eric Ten Hag's plans. He may still go to Palace before the end of the window, um, and we may bring in another right back. But that seems maybe slightly unlikely at the moment. So, I'm actually not that upset about that because I am one of the people who thinks there might be a good player inside of Diogo Dallo. And um, a lot of people have big issues with him defensively, and I think there's like a funny, you know, one of those funny divides within the within the United community where people have to pick a side and you're either Aaron Wambasaka or Dallow or you hit them both equally. Um, and that's an interesting thing because I think that always is a quick step towards people losing all objectivity, to be honest, um, and they feel they have to amplify a player's faults to kind of even the scoreline with some other tragically bad player. Um, and I just don't think that's the case. I think he's not great defensively. I don't think he's a complete liability. And certainly this season, he's been a lot more, as you say, combative and you know, a bit more bitey in the tackle. I still think he's going to get beaten on the dribble, you know, most games by Premier League wingers. Um, but Varane seems to seems to steady it a wee bit. And going forward, he's he's decent. Um, and I think he has room to become good and probably very good because he is technically very good with the ball at his feet. His passing and the build-up play is extremely good. He's good um, under pressure. His final ball has been a bit of an issue, but Really, this so far this season, it's looked a lot better, and I think that a lot of the time comes down to how the team's playing as opposed to just the player. If you have a great, if you have Trent Alexander Arnold slinging in balls for Marcus Rashford playing centre forward, Trent Alexander Arnold's crossing might not look that good. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a very big correlation between someone else and the actual person who's playing the pass. I, if the run is good and the movement is good generally, you know, Dallow will have a better time if he's getting into spaces where he actually has time and, and he's in a good position to actually make a cross as opposed to just throwing it in as a last resort because we've run out of ideas and um, i think you end up seeing a much better end product and really that's what we saw this game and indeed in the last couple of games um from him which is you know really decent chances being carved out from good delivery from him well i was just happy that we finally what well, feels like two years three years finally saw our right back actually picking out a man from a cross yeah, yeah. Uh, i feel like Aaron Bissaka is just uh, i'm gonna put this ball into the box and we'll see what happens kind of player. Mm. Whereas actually Dallow actually did definitely pick out Bruno with a really good cross for the goal. Uh, while there, was one, there was one early in the first half as well that he just overhit, but he oh, was just actually overhit, yeah. 100% looking for, I don't know who. Would Bruno. Have been the header, it was Bruno, right? again. It was Bruno, yeah. But it was like, it looked at the start like it might have been a bad cross, but you could see in the end it was just like a foot too high, but it was, it was exactly the right ball to find someone within a body, a sea of three or four bodies. And, like I'll take that every day over the alternatives because I, I do hmm. I agree with you. Other things are just lofted in, hopefully, and there's like there's a speculative element to crossing in football, even with the best of teams and the best of players, but it shouldn't be all the time, just as a last resort, you know, which is what we've seen so much of. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty pleased with Dallow. I, I'd be keen to give him a year and see what he can do. You know, if he keeps up the kind of industry, he's worked a lot harder this season than I think I've previously seen from him. Um, in terms of just the up and down and particularly on the defensive side of the ball he's putting a lot more effort I think visibly um, and if that maintains and he keeps being you know decent on the ball I don't see why he couldn't kind of um, really advance on a little bit this year and just to round off the right right back chat do you do you think prediction Wambisaka will be with us next week yes or no I, I think he won't you think he won't you think he'll be gone 
think he might go. Yeah, I'd be pleased. Maybe I'm just hopeful. Uh, but yeah. then they might even just not let him go at this point because if they, I know there's talk that they still want to bring in, you know, and we'll talk probably about transfers at the end, but there's still talk that a right back is one of those positions they would bring in if one was available. But the only real rumors have been Dest um, and, and a few people earlier in the, in the window. There's very little at the moment um, in that position. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him just because they can't afford, you know, to to maybe just rely or they'd be you know forced to recalling Laird or something like that you know there really isn't anyone else there um but who knows I'd be delighted if he did go because he has to go and play to get any kind of resale value Imran you know he's not gonna hmm. his, his price is already through the floor and ain't gonna go up by spending a year on the bench at Manchester United yeah I'm kind of with you I'm very hopeful it'll go but I'm not sure practically whether United will sanction it considering we do need two right backs there's a lot of football if Dallow gets injured, you actually need someone to play right back as well. And currently Wamsak is our only option. But in a in a perfect world he would go and we'd we'd find someone, but it seems like a lot to do within a couple of days now. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see on the the right back front. Anyway, back to the game. Um Man of the Match from Sky went to Martinez. Uh also my man of the match for the game. I thought he had a really good game, really solid. And I mean this partnership with Varan does seem like it could be an actual thing for us. Um Harry Maguire once again on the bench. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, how how confident are you that this Veran Martinez isn't just a well? We're getting a bit excited over two games. It's an actual. This is our season now. It's hard to say because you don't know really know what's going on in Eric Ten Hag's head. But through his words and his actions, I don't think you can really arrive at any other conclusion. It's just dependent on whether the form remains. I think um, and the fitness. Said, and the fitness is obviously a huge element with Veran. Um. You're very right. So he said during the week, you know, the captaincy is not an automatic, you know, veto to to starting every match. And then he also said, you know, it's very difficult when Varane, it's very difficult to find minutes when, you know, Varane is the other player. And he didn't even mention Martinez. The fact that he's bought in Martinez, the fact that he has such a relationship with him in Ajax, you know, where he kind of brought him along, then dropped him out of the team for a little while, felt he got a great response, and then was his, you know, player of the year thereafter. And he clearly has a lot of time for him, you know. And so... He clearly also absolutely wants to play with a left-footed left centre-back. Um, so I find it very hard to imagine that Martinez will be dropped at all during the year, particularly given the way his form is at the moment. And, you know, 9 out of 10 people in world football, if asked, you have one centre-back slot left. The choice is a fit Rafa Varane or Harry Maguire. Gun to your head, who are you picking? You know, I mean, are very many people picking Harry Maguire? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Pretty much another. Gareth Southgate might. Yeah, Gareth Southgate might. Other people who might, people who paid 80 million pounds for him and gave him the captaincy <laughs> and have something of a vested interest and then maybe that working out pretty well. You know, I think those are probably the only people that would maybe make that choice at the moment. Harry Maguire can possibly be a very good defender again. Will he get the time to show it? As you say, the games are going to come slightly thicker and faster, particularly with the World Cup in the winter. Um, so, you know, in the same way that we need right back cover, I'm sure Bran will not be playing every single game in the Premier League this year. Um, and, and Maguire can step into that hole at that point. But at the moment, I have no reason to think they won't. And I mean, like, they look really good. I mean, Martinez, you know, against Southampton was the, by far and away the man of match, I think. 100% ground Jules won. Every time he tried to tackle someone, he did so successfully. And he really, like, he really, that's not to say he only did it twice or something. It was probably like five, six, seven times. He really wants to go and win the ball, particularly like the second balls when it drops into the channel. Um, 100% successful dribbles out of the back, 61 touches, 48 passes, 7 clearances, won 100% of his aerial duels, of which there were 5, so all the balls he can actually contest in the air, he won, and the 5 was the most that anyone on the pitch won, and he had 4 interceptions as well, I mean, like, that's unreal, that's really, really good, I do think, you know, those stats don't tell the full pictures a few times where, you know, Che Adams did cause him some issues, but like, that will happen to every single defender in the league at some point. You know, with every you know, every team has a striker who's capable of causing you issues at issues at some point. But broadly, he was absolutely superb, dominant, really, when the ball was on the floor, particularly. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. And um, I mean, we had this conversation at the end of the Brentford game about his height, and I mean, we all were kind of in agreement then. His height is only an issue if we make it an issue, and we don't. We're not looking organized around him, and to be fair, in the last two games we looked very organized around him, and that means that when Southampton pump that long ball, they're not getting second ball because we're getting the second ball, and it just makes us a lot, a lot better. We weren't getting second ball so much. Um, that's not Martinez's fault. Uh, 
after after the goal, and we really did let them come on to us a lot after we scored. Uh, we didn't. We basically did yeah. nothing after we scored, which was yeah. a bit a bit weird because there was like a good thirty minutes left. But um, again, I'm I'm just I'm just very happy we're solid. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 like know. It's, I know. It feels my like only a thing is, while since we've been so solid. My, I don't want to be too early on the criticism because it's a team that clearly doesn't have a huge amount of confidence and stuff like that. If you know what I mean, but I just wonder. You know, I t- I absolutely take your point. It it was a stark contrast to the bullying that happened versus Brentford and Brighton, not to be confused with one another. Um, you know, it was markedly different from that. Obviously, we com- we competed far more, and we looked far more composed defensively. The there were the gaps that there were in those games. It was ten hundred times better. You know, defensively. It's it's on the ball that I'm I'm kind of struggling. I still think we're just caught in this limbo between being a counter attacking team that basically doesn't know how to do anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, we had fifty two percent possession in this game. I'm not at the moment, and this isn't again a criticism. I think it's just a an indication that it's going to take time. But I'm not seeing any kind of Eric Ten Hag style or a real commitment to being possession based, other than a terrible way of taking gold kicks that has now been scrapped. Uh, you know, and just basically a decision that not to let now David Hayes just pumping everything as soon as he gets it. He's not even play, we're not playing out from back anymore. We did that for one game. It was or two games catastrophically poor, and now we've abandoned it. And he's just he's just launching it forward, which is fine. But he's launching it forward to Anthony Alanga and Marcus Rashford, and the ball is not sticking. That was the whole problem against Southampton. The the play was okay up until it had to go into their half, and then it just came straight back. Uh, and I get that you know there's issues with. Uh, number nine and stuff like that but um, to me we didn't have a whole pile of control in that game despite being defensively good and we played way more their style of football than the kind of football that I think Manchester United should play and also that the quality of these players should be able to play you know I do think it'll come I just also think one more centre midfielder is almost essential and I don't think we're going to get one I mean I think you won't find many people disagreeing there that we need more central midfielders, but yeah, I also think you agree. We're not going to get one, I imagine. Um, we obviously just spent money on Anthony, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I, I, and we'll talk about transfers a bit. But yeah, I, I don't see us buying anyone in that central midfield role. But Casemiro might make a difference, but you'd think it would be he, he definitely will more make a difference. solid. But yeah, exactly, he, yeah. But he's still got quality on the ball. I feel like for some reason in the last week, Casemiro's being pitted as this old. Dennis Wise regen, he's just going to go tackle people and that's it. He's got, he's got a lot of quality on the ball. Like, I don't really, I mean, yeah, he's, he's maybe not, I don't know, Rodri or something, but he's got a lot of quality on the ball. So I think it will improve us a bit. Um, and yeah, I just, I think the more games we play and the more solid we look at the back, the more base we have to go play better football going forward. Providing that these players actually get a bit of form, get into it a bit more. Martial coming into the team might make a bit of difference, um, as it did against Liverpool, but just for holding up the ball, really, um, mm. making it stick up top. He's probably our only player who can actually hold the ball up, um, so that might make a difference. But again, you always worry about relying on Anthony Martial, which we constantly say on this pod. But I mean, it can only we from having a solid base. I feel like we can only get better than especially the last, the first two games of the season. It's definitely the best place to start. I mean, you know, and I really don't mean to come across as like, oh, I'm not seeing it. You know, it's our fourth game at the end of the day in yeah. a very mixed, you know, uh, mixed up kind of team selection issues for Ten Hag with a, a quite disjointed transfer window and not an ideal preseason, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously the catastrophic start of the season. There's no issue with just hunkering down and, and just getting through games, getting wins. It's, you know, it, it's brilliant <laughs> compared to where we were two weeks ago you know, really brilliant and super positive. It's more just, you know, looking forward, what do you want to see? Well, I want, I want to see decent football, which, and that wasn't decent football, you know, um, against Southampton. It doesn't have to be all the time. Obviously, it can't be all the time, um, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on. Mm. Um, we'll take a quick break now, but then when we get back, we'll talk about the goal. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. So, Colm, whilst we didn't play decent football, we did score a very decent goal. Um, a really good goal, in fact. Um, started with Varane at the back, played it into Alanga. Alanga ran forward, uh, played it off to someone. I can't remember who. Played it off to Dallo. Dallo put in a great cross, as we mentioned earlier. Fernandez taking that first time. I have to say, after Fernandez's finishing in the first two games of the season where he blazed shots over the bar, it was actually quite nice to see him take it on the side foot and punt it in the corner. It was an excellent finish. An excellent finish, slightly fortuitous, I would say, but he's kind of almost like the less time he has, the better he is in finishing. You know, he's a very instinctive player, I think, and he just, when he does something quickly, it ends up just being better than if he has loads of time. I mean, the two big misses he had previously were like the ball was rolling back to him as slick as you like, and all you have to do is walk onto it, and it kind of slotted away, and he put both of them over. Um, So this was a much, much, much harder finish because Dallow really zings it, and it's kind of coming to him just on the low volley kind of area, and uh, he slightly scuffs it off the side foot, but he absolutely finds the corner. And it was a great goal, really fluid, really good. And we've seen that, like that has broken out a fair few times where there's been bits of really slick play in terms of full pitch progressions into chances with particularly Dallow, um, like getting him behind or getting into a really good crossing space. Um, so it was a great, great, great goal. I, I'm really pleased. I, I think, I, I, I mean, I know Bruno still really, really, really divides opinion, but I'm kind of liking Captain Bruno a lot. I prefer Captain Bruno to what I thought Captain Bruno would be. Um, he has been a bit better. Uh, there was the dive against Liverpool, but even he, I think even he acknowledged how shit that dive was at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I thought in this game, again, off the ball, can't fault him, lots of work, lots of graft. Um, on the ball, still lacking a bit. Um, some good bits, lots of bad bits, but then the goal was obviously really well taken, excellent, and obviously was a key difference between the teams. Um, you've just got to kind of hope this added responsibility the quality that we've seen from Bruno in the first well when he first arrived can kind of come through again because it's been a while but he's definitely on an upward track I feel from what I thought was pretty abject performances towards the back end of last season yeah definitely I mean him and everyone else I mean since he joined the league I think he's still the only people with more goals than him are Kane, Salah and Son you know so I appreciate that's heavily weighted towards the, the first year of his United um, career, but he still had a good tally last year, both goals and assists. And I agree. I mean, the funny thing is having him beside Ericsson pre- provides such a stark contrast, which I don't think is helping people with their willingness to kind of get on board the Bruno train, if you know what I mean. Because for two players that are kind of both 10s, you would struggle to find two 10s that go about the game in totally different ways. You know, Ericsson is just oozes class control everything he does you're like yep that was the correct decision and also your beautiful technique made it look so easy you know he just swishes things about his crossfield passing his little over the top balls very metronomy kind of thing and just technically unreal but always the vision is just always top class you know, looking for the killer ball looking for the incisive player the crossfield or whatever he's been absolutely brilliant bruno's a lot more frantic obviously half the things he does don't come off he is want to lose the ball in bad positions and to take on too much but at the same time he has this knack of just being able to arrive in the right place or being able to play this ball that often looks a little bit scrappy not as polished nearly as Ericsson and yet has probably had more effective season certainly in his first year with us than Ericsson has ever managed with any team I would imagine um, so it's a really odd kind of mismatch and I actually think they quite well complement each other and I hope both of them stay in the team um, long term Although I do think Ericsson probably needs minutes managed. I was amazed he didn't come off um, against uh, Southampton. But they're just such a stark contrast. But I do still think for all for all the kind of issues, and I do see the issues, you know, the petulance, as you say, has not been as bad since he got the um, captaincy. The bad finishes lately have been the worst thing because when you take away the good finishing and the goals and the arrivals, Bruno's game then looks pretty pretty bad, to be honest, because then the wastefulness and the, the, the losses of possession are kind of highlighted even more. But 
I still think he's he's absolutely key to this team and how we want to play. And I think if Ronaldo goes, it'll be all the better. You know, I just think you know really there's there's something to be built just around him, but not with him always trying to force the ball to Ronaldo. Mm. Um, another player who I mean Ashwin wanted to talk about him. I was going to completely gloss over his performance. I didn't really have that much mm. to say about it, but um, Ashwin in our group demanded demanded that we talk about him. So you can blame him for this, but um, Anthony Langer who has started the last two games. Uh, now we've bought Anthony. You'd imagine he would be the first one to lose his place out of the Sancho-Rashford-Ilanga uh, three. I am always a bit mixed on Ilanga. I feel like he's generally not, probably not good enough to play for United. And I think if he played for a different side in the Premier League, you wouldn't bat an eyelid at him. But then sometimes he does things in games. I think that was quite good, that. Um, like when he, he roasted uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, fairly early on in the Liverpool game, I thought, oh, that was really good. And then he makes some runs and you think, oh, that's a good run, that. And then other times he just gets bullied off the ball, shows lack of quality. It's a real mixed bag, but is, he, is it just he's a young squad player and, and, and that's it? Well, I think he's a young squad player and I question if, he, if he's even going to be that long-term. I mean, he is at the moment. Um, I like him, but I don't see... A big future at Manchester United. I could be proven wrong, as you said. There's little moments, you know. He's he's kind of good in the air. It's gonna be a lot of kinda in these next four sentences. Yeah. He's he's kind of good in the air. He's kind of a good finisher. He is technically good, you know. He's kind of nippy and makes kind of good runs and all this stuff like where this little nice things pop out, and you shouldn't judge, uh, you know, a young player too harshly. But he's played for you know maybe the guts of a season now. Um, and I don't. I still just spend seventy of the ninety minutes thinking, "Who's our right winger, or where is that guy playing, or what was the last thing he did?" You know, there's a lot of anonymity in his game, and as you say, a lot of very easy defending against him sometimes. And then occasionally we play a little bit of tip tap football, and he looks great, and and something comes off, and you know, he had that one that hit the post, I think, against Liverpool, where you'd say he did everything right, made the good run, blah blah, but. I just don't really see it as a as a starter at all, um, other than in a kind of a technical we need someone who runs kind of way at the moment. Um so I'm I'm not so hot on him at all, I have to say. I just I like him. Uh and there's little bits of quality there. And if he was able to produce those across with ball ninety with more regularity and if the goals started going in and he was actually contributing with goals or assists, then maybe yeah. But at the moment I, I could probably point to a lot of wingers in, in the Premier League I'd rather have, obviously. I think um, that is he's kind of yeah he's got a lot of kind of abilities he's kind of all right sometimes uh, yeah I'm I'm fully in agreement with that I can see him being just a very like utilized squad player maybe we need someone to put in a shift or run around for a bit he's our run around basically he's the player who runs around a lot although I do think he's better on the left than the right I would say like, I think he's players. better on the left as well I also think he's technically good you know he. He won't. It's it's how much he can impose himself on the game, you know, and and whether if we started to play a bit more possession based and he saw the ball a bit more, there there might be something there to see. Um, but at the moment, you know, but you need squad players at the same time. It's not an issue. I I just don't see him as a starter. And as you say, with Anthony coming, um, even with our kind of lack of firepower there, with you know the Martial Ronaldo issue, and maybe you know we could do with another striker even on top of Anthony. I still don't think that'll be whole pile of game time for him i think it's been quite a i don't necessarily think he was as much in eric ten hag's plans as um he would have wanted if if there wasn't a whole debacle over ronaldo wanting to leave and martial never being fit you know i don't actually think would would have seen him if either of those things had been as big an issue as they are hmm. um i guess we'll see his standing when we get our players in if we get any more in um the only Big talking point, I guess, from a Southampton point of view, is they some people may have thought they should have had a penalty. I'm trying to take, I'm trying to take my red glasses off here, but no, I don't, don't think it, I don't penalty. think it was a penalty. Not I mean, at the all. rules, yeah, the rules say, and there is in the rules. You can go check that handball, handball. When it comes to handball, the consideration must be taken into how close proximity the player is to with the ball being struck. And Tommy is like right next to who was it, Adams, and. Again, his arm is out, but his arm is out because he's going to brace himself because he's going to run into Adams. As any, nobody runs into players yeah, with their no. arms behind their back, otherwise they're going to start hurting each other. So 
Yeah, it's by no it's by no means unnatural. It's by no means intentional. And after it bobbles off McTominay's arm twice, it hits Che Adams' arm as well. Like it's just a thing, you know. The ball bubbled yeah. up, and the two players were standing there with their arms not detached from their body and sat on the subs bench. So, funnily enough, the ball hit one of their arms. Um, I didn't think it was penalty in lifetime. I didn't think it was penalty in a replay, and I don't think it required any kind of uh, huffing and puffing afterwards in terms of Southampton fans. You know, I I just don't really see it. Yeah, to be fair, I feel like I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a massive talking point, but it didn't seem to be that big a talking point. So maybe I, I probably read more into it than there probably was. But I think I feel like the yeah, correct decision. And then other than that, there was a chance at a header. Um, can't remember who headed it, but De Gea. It's it. Yeah, Arebo. De Gea made a save that you'd expect him to make. And other yeah. than that, I thought the big, the biggest stand up for Southampton was their centre back, um, Bella Catchup, who was excellent. Great. I thought also uh, Lavi. I thought looked. Really good. You probably look like the best midfielder on the pitch, to be honest. Um, which really says it all for the game. But he, I think he's eighteen. Like it's one, one worth watching. Um, but yeah, they had uh, some impressive players of whom I knew nothing about or had never heard their names before ever. Yep. Uh, I felt that Bellacotrip lad looked really good, strong, yeah. quick, and um, yeah, I thought it was uh, so. I mean, we're not the Southampton podcast. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Southampton, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? I still think they might struggle this year, but at least they didn't lose nine uh, anyway. nil. <laughs> yeah. And so, just to round off the game, um, off the bench came Casemiro for his United debut. Uh, Ten minutes. Um, were you surprised he didn't start, or are, are you just happy that team on the pitch for the last? Time? Um, I was. I was actually slightly surprised that he did keep the game on or the eleven unchanged from Liverpool, and then. Just surprised because you just think shiny new toy and he's done his preseason with Real, he's probably ready to go. But as soon as it came out, I was like, oh no, that's that is the correct decision. No, you shouldn't just rush him in, you know, without proper training and time to get up to speed and language, all the rest of it or whatever. So I was pretty pleased. I, I was quite sure he'd come on and because I thought he'd definitely be required at some stage in the game. Um, so no, I wasn't really that surprised. Um, that he didn't start or nor disappointed. I thought his little cameo was good. I think you can see straight away just what he's going to bring which is something that is so almost seems so basic but has been so lacking like he just is ferociously responsible as a football player you know he's just you could just see even when he wasn't anywhere near the ball he was just looking around pointing dropping into little spaces when when they started to come on to us he was dropping in between the center backs no one was asking him to he was just doing it because he thought that's where the danger was going to come he had sort of a little bit in the right back position I think with Dallow helping to kind of scrap and win the ball and then play it out quite nicely um, and yeah just so conscientious and responsible in terms of his movement and his scanning of, of where the danger is going to be so I think it'll be superb I'm keen just to see how you know how the league is on him you know the pace of it all how a player looks after playing with Modric and Cruz for um you know eight years or whatever um, in a very different kind of midfield and then just how how it can impact us in terms of that stability and, and maybe a wee bit more control. But um, no, I'm buzzing to see him um, from the start. Yeah, you say you say language though, but now it looks like our language mainly in the team will be Spanish struck Portuguese. What it De Gea to Varane to Martinez to Casemiro to Bruno. Just... I always wonder about this Imran, and you would assume so, and yet. I think there may, there might be some kind of general rule. I don't know. I've never played on any football teams that were particularly uh, multinational. Um, you know, you always had one or two maybe um, French lads or Spanish lads or whatever, but never ever a big contingent. It was never an issue. But I do wonder if there's kind of a home rules kind of thing because everyone has to hear everything, you know? Like, there's no way De Gea is speaking Spanish. Maybe if he was having a quiet word with a Spanish speaker. But I think Dalo speaks pretty good English. Um. Varane, I'm not too sure. Well, that's what uh, I think. I'm tricky. thinking more of Varane, Varane to Martinez. You'd think they'd be talking to each other in Spanish through the whole game, you'd think, because why yeah. wouldn't you? And then when they're talking to Casemiro, who doesn't speak any English, or barely any English, I believe, then you'd think again, just Spanish. Yeah, but definitely. Look, if someone does not speak English, you know, but at the same time, you know, this is a problem that's been, you know, this, this has happened. There's players who've played in England for a year or two and never spoken English. There's no way that... um. That the whole team, you know, it's just weird because, you know, yes, you can speak to just your, I mean, centre back's kind of different because you two will probably have a lot of time to speak to each other, you know, fairly intimately. But really, everyone else has to benefit from the speaking thereafter. So I don't know, it's just weird. All right, we're going to take a quick break now, but then when we get back, we'll talk about the thing that you all want to hear about transfers. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. So, it's on the BBC, so obviously it's official. Uh, Anthony will be coming to Man United. Uh, the fee is £80 million, according to BBC, mm. or according to other places, €95 million Euros with €5 million Euros mm. add-on. So, it becomes €100 million, Euros, which Ajax were looking for. Um, it's a bit, of a, a bit of an ordeal this week with Anthony having an interview about how he really is desperate to come and all this posturing for a move. Uh, I ex- insisting on keeping, but really just insisting on getting 100 million euros for him, which is their want. Uh, there was a lot made this week of, oh, Ajax are being assholes for not letting him leave. And I'm just thinking, he's their player. They want 100 million euros. That's what they said. That's that's their prerogative. Um, and they've got it now. So you can't say they did the wrong thing. They got the money that they wanted for him. So it's a lot of money, um, but he's the player Eric Ten Hag wanted. Um, how excited are you? Well, I am excited. Uh... I don't think you can watch his highlights and not get excited. Um, I also am excited because it, it it intrigues me as to what our forward line might look like and Keeley who might not be in it. Um, find that quite exciting. But I mean, even I would encourage anyone who hasn't, and I'm sure ninety uh, percent of our listeners are pouring over um YouTube highlight reels um of Anthony anyway. But the, his last ninety minutes there in the Eredivisie um, are well worth a watch. There's like a montage of just his individual highlights from one game. You would think you were watching a montage of a full season. The amount of stuff he did in that game. He scored a goal. I think he got an assist. He, he, he nutmegged about four players. He, he kept getting doubled up and he kept beating both his men to get into crossing positions, cutbacks. Just like he is a live wire. You know, his feet are so good. Um, his dribbling is will immediately be the best of the club. Something we've missed direly since Martial just stopped doing it to any kind of good effect essentially Rashford hasn't really beaten a man in about four years um, so I'm excited to see that um, and yeah he just looks really 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 good there's only a hundred million pound player Imran I'm not sure what that looks like to be quite honest these days um, does Jack Grealish look at a hundred million pound player you know it's a tough question you have to pay what you have to pay at the end of the day it's not our money um, to come to your point about Ajax um it, it 100% is their want. It's interesting because I do think it sets a poor precedent. I think their manager's comments don't help. Uh, Schroeder or whatever his name is. He's come off very salty throughout the entire summer, I think. Um, and the fact that he looks like a clone of Eric Ten Hag, but worse, you know, doesn't help, I don't think, um, in terms of just like, a, who is this guy? And uh, let us have your players and just wise up, would you? But he's come off really salty about it, to be honest. And I don't know if that's helped matters. Um. They, it is their prerogative to keep him. I also, however, it's also their you know prerogative to take the acceptable offer and not put down a standard for keeping players who have probably outgrown that league and want to move on to bigger clubs because those are the same players that you will have in your team, in your youth team, and you'll be looking to bring in who will then look at this fiasco and maybe think, oh, maybe Ajax isn't the place to do that kind of thing. I don't think that'll be a big issue now that he has gone. But I also think it's probably no small part our fault because it's been a weird transfer in that we were informed very early with figures of like 50 and 60 million being talked about. And we were told no at that stage, but maybe we would take 65 or 70. And we basically went away all summer at that point, I think, and looked at other alternatives and focused on other things like Frankie de Jong pointlessly. Um, and then we've come back in seemingly the final two weeks of the window and the number has gone from 50, 60, 70 skipping 80 and 90 to yeah 100 as you say in euros and um, so crazy crazy overpay 
I think regardless of how good he is, it doesn't really matter to us, but um but it's wild the way we do business in Wilton. Ultimately, I feel like they knew we would pay that for him. And then well, I think ultimately they didn't want to sell him. That was the thing. Well, that's not true. In but... fact, I think in fact they weren't. I don't think they had this master plan at the start of the year of thinking, uh, hey, I think we can just snub these guys till the end and then they'll give us 100 million. That might have been the plan B, definitely. I think plan A was keep him because they've lost too many players and too many ma- and their manager. So I think they truly wanted to keep him and were intending to keep him for one more year. Um, and we've then put ourselves in a position where we maybe didn't negotiate quite seriously enough at the start. And then it's forced this need for him to come out and say the things he said and for us to go much higher in terms of the money. Mm. And what do you think about the things he said in the, the posturing for a move? Um, is it, is I, quite it... Like, I think he was... But I mean, if our I player did was... that, would you be... Is it different if yeah, it's our not, player? Yeah, well, first of all, it's happened with one of our players. And That's true. I didn't really, it didn't really bother me at that time, you know. And sadly, he's now back at the club, so it was an issue. And then it's happened with a player before that, whom I still think is one of the, well, the, probably the best United player I've ever seen. In, well, no, I wouldn't say that. One of the best United players I've seen in my lifetime. One of the, um, best, one of the best players named Wayne Rooney. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, for future manager. Um, so, no, I have no issue because for me, he did it respectfully, you know, and he did it fairly. His arguments are sound. So basically, he has kept quiet until the last week of the window and then he's come out and laid out precisely why he's angry. Essentially that he told them as soon, before he, in February or something, I think I want to leave next year. Uh, during the summer, I don't think I want to be at Ajax next year. I, I want to go to a different club. I think there'll be offers. Offers then came in at the start of the window. And he said, look, if a reasonable offer that, that suits you arrives, I want you to let me go kind of thing. And they said, mm. and then in the end, he wasn't allowed to go. And the offer became even more than reasonable. And he still wasn't allowed to go. And then the offer became frankly silly and he still wasn't allowed to go. So, at that point, he's given them the entire window to replace him and say, look, from before the window opened, I wanted to leave. And that's really all he's come out and said is that I feel I've, you know, I love my time here. I then decided I want to go. I informed him at the earliest opportunity. I told him that I would only go for the reasonable sum. Then what I felt the reasonable sum came, I wasn't allowed to go. Then what I felt was more than reasonable came in. Then what I felt was truly silly offer came in and I still wasn't allowed to go. And at that point, now I'm, I'm giving an interview to say, you guys are scumbags, let me go. I think that's fine. Yeah. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a wee kind of, he's a bit of a Neymar, people think. <laughs> bit of a, I'm going to use the word a wee rat, which might not sound very nice, but uh, he's just a wee bit of a wind up, a wee bit of a, you know, uh, big I am, bit of a diva, maybe. Well, I, I kind of agree in that I'm, I, it doesn't bother me, but then it doesn't bother me when our players do it because, you know, footballers are footballers. That's their want. They want to move to big clubs they want more money etc etc i mean that that is just life you know you yeah. can't you can't get too attached to footballers these days um in terms of the actual fee it's a lot of money obviously now there is the oh it's not your money who cares thing and i and i never really get this argument because i don't get that at all that's just a that's a shiny new toy argument that's just like a i don't want to speak logic with you because i'm getting something i want and i don't care yeah because I mean, I don't. Do I care that Glazier's spending money? No, like they can spend money. I don't. I, I hope they spend all their money. Glazier's like, I don't want them to have money. No, that's fine. What it is is though, it's a hundred million euros, and that is I, what bothers me is how that affects us on the pitch, because or other signings, yeah, yeah, or other signings, because you don't just spend the money and then it, that's it. The story ends there. Never, we never speak of it again. This, the, 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 the fee for Anthony now follows him onto the pitch. It affects. Yeah. His mentality, and yeah, he probably has a strong mentality. Probably, probably deal with that's fine, but it also affects his teammates. You've heard, I've heard many interviews with yeah. teammates before. They, they say, "Oh, this player came in for a record, record signing. I played with him training." Think, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. who is this guy worth forty million? How, like, you know, it affects that. It affects the press. It affects fans' expectations. We had a debate in our group, and our WhatsApp group the other day about what what constitutes a flop and um, how much uh, the fee for a player comes into that comes into them yeah. being a flop. So it, well, absolutely. I mean, if, if anyone, I would ask, challenge anyone to say, answer me this question honestly. Do you think Harry Maguire's price tag has affected his trajectory since? Oh, 100%. Anyone who says no is a liar. 100%. Or a fool. And there's many of them about. But the other thing is, Imran, you've correctly pointed out, it absolutely affects that player and the squad. So wages matter, price tags matter, pressure matters. Those things you know, media narratives matter, definitely. Those things will affect players. Some players it will make them crumble, some players won't be, it'll be water off ducks back, no issue. Hopefully, hopefully Anthony is the latter. Other thing it affects, 
other teams bargaining with us in the future and our ability to get the right players at the right price at the right time and we have i mean if anyone wants an exhibit of why that might be a problem i give you this transfer window you know just foolishness but foolishness and a bad situation that's often part of a strategy of the last five years the teams now view us very differently than if Bayern Munich are coming to do business or if Chelsea are coming to do business or if Liverpool are coming to do business or, or if City are coming to do business and um, so that's an issue as well the third reason why that price matters is because that money could be used for something else a a different midfielder two players instead of one uh, uh, it could be put into Old Trafford as a stadium regeneration project you know other things can happen with that money so all for all those reasons you shouldn't just think it's not my money I don't care that's like saying do you know what the opposite of that is saying if I said to you is it good that the Glazers bought United on leveraged debt and have essentially largely held us back since then I don't care it's not my money mm. it's your club okay so when you're saying I'm happy to pay 200 squillion for this player because hey we get a shiny new player and I don't care it's my money that's the converse of saying are you happy with the Glazer ownership I don't care it's not my money same it's two, two different sides of the same coin of course it's important it is and I mean we, obviously we all hope that Anthony becomes that great player that is worth that fee we don't know we can't we can't speculate now whether it'll be a flop or whatever but it's just it's just it's just it is if anyone's cautious of the fee i don't think that's a problem i think it's fair it's fair to be cautious it's fair to worry like players who go for that much money generally don't do so well uh, historically yeah. you look at players who, are, who are go for 100 million euros or more the vast majority the is, haven't been great the better point to make is not i don't care it's not my money is they've done it it doesn't matter now anyway yes that's a better that's a better way of looking at it is not oh it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the football club or it doesn't matter it's not my money i'm not out of pocket that's a silly way to look at it really the better way to look at it is, is we have no control over it let's make the most of it let's not talk about it let's not make it a thing any more than it has to be if you know what i mean let's not view him as someone who has to score 30 goals and get 30 assists because that's how much he cost let's just accept that th- at this particular point in time with ajax that was the price of doing business and our need outweighed the sensible option of being fiscally responsible <laughs> do you know what i mean and that that's the truth of the matter that's why we've paid this much money for him it's not because he's worth that much money because no one in world football thinks he's worth that money at the moment it could be a bargain imran he has a bit of arrogance about him he has undeniable quality and he looks like exactly the kind of profile of player we should be getting the player who needs that next step now it's just a shame that again we're going back to ajax and maybe going back to what eric ten Hag knows rather than actually relying on scouting and stuff but that's fine for this year you know we'll we'll see how it goes but i have a lot i've actually quite a lot of faith that i think he's going to be a bit of a player for us he's got this arrogance and this nastiness about him and a bit of the big i am you know and he's like his feet are unbelievable he's a bit like mares but maybe a bit more a bit more flair and explosive less kind of elegant i suppose um but yeah certainly similarities there and he's got a wicked left foot i mean a left footed right winger is is what eric ten Hag wants and he's as good a one at that age profile that you'll find in Europe, you know, so that's that can only be a good thing. And I guess you, are, also, you do play, you do pay a premium for that sort of play because there aren't that many about. And um, no, definitely also, not. You'd be struggling. Seen, you'd be struggling to name other ones, you know. Yeah, we've seen the fees. Oh, that's another another thing I don't like. By the way, when people say is okay, if we don't get him, name another one. That's not my job to name another one. It's not anyone's job to name another <laughs> one. We have scouts for that reason. But anyway, that's a different thing. Um, there is also the, obviously the fact that fees this year are crazy. Anthony Gordon, sixty million, being quoted. Morton gives Morton, Morgan class, gives white. Yeah. Do you think? Hmm. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, I think Chelsea are desperately trying to get ahead of the curve on that one, uh, in a kind of a Declan Rice situation. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll revisit that in a year. Let's put a, let's put a pin mm. on that one. Uh, Cucurella for sixty million. Uh, Morgan gives white forty million. So, the, but then also at the same time you have had what Jesus go for forty five million. So there are you know there's 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 good deals to be had in amongst this sea of absolute craziness, but in general the market is a bit mad so there is that too um and yeah i mean maybe maybe 100 million euros is just the the norm for what you have to sign players for these days and in two three years time that is just everyone's 100 million euros we'll find out i guess but it's it anyway he's our player now like you said it would be good if we lived in a world where we can just be he's our player now whatever we we can we just let's hope he becomes good but i feel like Obviously, with expectations of fans and whatever, it's a bit more than that. But I'm, I, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful it'll come good. And obviously, ultimately, he fills a massive hole in our side, which is, as you said, a left-footed right winger who can actually do things that a right winger should be able to do. And he works very hard. 
good at pressing. Yeah. He knows Ten Hag's yeah. system. He knows the manager. I mean, these are all plus points. I mean, I, I honestly can't see him being bad. That's the thing. I can't no, see him being well, bad. Because it's a, it's a bar of like, will he be better than what we have? Yeah. So, uh, you know, even if he isn't great, well, I just think he'd be grand. I think um, him being actually a dribbler and with occupied defenders would be good for Dallow. As you say, he like led Ajax, possibly the league, and kind of other half recoveries and press tackle wins in the opposition territory kind of thing. Um, so that's really encouraging. That's obviously what we want to see is that kind of industry alongside the quality. Um, and then it's interesting because then Rash, or sorry, Sancho maybe moves over to the left um, and then the striker is whoever the striker is. Um, I think, you know, early indications, I think it's difficult to read because of the turmoil. Obviously, Rashford was kind of the natural choice to play nine. And then Sancho was on the left against Southampton for long periods, which I thought looked good. Um, it's it's just interesting then to see how that develops because Anthony is a right winger with a left foot. And that is apparently what Eric Ten Hag wants. So that I think becomes, I don't think he's going to compete necessarily with Sancho and, and have some time on the bench trying to, replace him i think it's more likely that sancho and rashford compete for the left wing spot i think it's more like three of them kind of rotate for the both spots i guess i can see Hmm. sancho playing left and right rashford being left and um anthony being right and then the three of them kind of divvy up between them sort of thing i can can see that sort of thing happening there are a lot of games at the end of the day got a game on thursday got a game on sunday we should see rotation coming in already so we'll see I, i don't i don't i in your best 11, obviously, I think Anthony will obviously be there starting, but it'll be interesting to see how he rotates everyone. Um, there are a couple of days left to the transfer window. I'm, I'm a bit reluctant to get too into the weeds of who we might sign, who might go, because ultimately we'll know in the space of three days. And after the Leicester game, we'll probably record a podcast on the Leicester game and on transfers. So don't worry if you want your transfer fix. We, we will review the whole window then. But just in general, Colm, what would you like to see in... Not in a perfect world, but in a realistic world, what do you want to see happen in the next two days? Martin Dubravka. Oh, I mean, star signing. That's what we all hoped for at the beginning a, of the season. A name to strike. Now, I do hope we get another keeper just because apparently we want one. Yeah. The only other one I really care about, as I said at the start, I'm quite happy we're right back at the moment with Dallow. Uh, you know, if he gets injured, then buy someone in January or whatever, that's fine. But I actually think give him, give him the season and just see how it goes. So I'm okay with that at the moment. Um, the only other one I'm really interested in, because I, I am resigned to the fact, Imran, that we are not signing a creative, uh, set, you know, holding sentiment fielder or whatever. It's just not going to happen. We're going to make do with what we have, and Ericsson's probably going to play deeper, and uh, we'll see how that goes. That's fine. I would love it, love it, love it, love it, if we gave Cristiano Ronaldo to Napoli and signed uh, Oisenheim, Oisenheim um, for, like, say, 70 million, 80 million. 100 million, who cares, not my money. I would be delighted just to not have Cristiano Ronaldo in the team. He was awful for the 20 minutes or the 10 minutes that he came on against Southampton. His face just annoys me now. It's beyond the point of no return. He's not useful. The team is better off without him. Even if they were worse off for the year, they would still be better off in the long term. No one will convince me that he is any value add to this squad whatsoever. Even though I don't think he's like the, the big issue that he's made out to be. I just think he's unnecessary and a bit of a sideshow at this point and earning, you know, half a million pound a week. So, you know, even if we're covering wages, but it gets him out the door, I'd be delighted if that happened. I'd be delighted for him, be delighted for his agent who's worked so hard at it all year, basically making up and, you know, approaching every single team with Champions League football with bigger bowl in hand to try and get Ronaldo those extra three goals that are going to make all the difference when it's finally time to tot up who is the best player, as if that will matter. So... That's the only transfer I care about now is how we can possibly get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo. Sadly, I don't think we're going to manage it. Yeah, agreed. My my whole investment in these last two days is can we get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo? I'm so invested in it. I feel like it's going to make literally make or break our whole season. I would be so happy. Of him. <laughs> see if we see if we see if someone said to me you can get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo season, but you're going to finish fifth. I'd still take it. I wouldn't care less. I, I, I just it would just be a big weight off the club's shoulders. I think of Ten Hag's shoulders for managing it. I just think. Get rid of him, and I mean, it's easy said than done. Obviously, like nobody wants him; it's a big, big problem. Um, and yes, there's this Napoli crazy rumor of um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name the way you did. You did it so eloquently. Um, so that I mean, yeah, whatever. I just even just get get rid of him, and as long as we don't get a Bamiyang, I don't want a Bamiyang. Forget that. I don't no, I don't that want Bamiyang either. Don't want a Bamiyang. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a horrific fine, idea. I'll take, I'll take Depay for five million, whatever. Like fine, whatever. Um, just get rid of Ronaldo, please. That would be my 
that would be my uh, ideal last few days of the window. But we'll see. And I said we'll uh, we'll review that in a, in a couple of days. Um, we're going to talk about the Leicester game. Now, before we do, just a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Manscaped. That's manscaped.com, your go-to place for all the above-the-waist and below-the-waist grooming needs. Um, you now do a great facial trimmer, apparently. So you can do your facial hair now with Manscaped. It's not just for your below-downstairs area. It's also for your face. So, you know, go to manscaped.com. Use the code UnitedHour20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's UnitedHour20 for free shipping and 20% off. Uh, it's great stuff. We all endorse it here at the pod. So, yeah, get to manscaped.com and support the pod. Right. Leicester coming up on Thursday, a.k.a. last season's scene of the Harry Maguire disaster show, which, in my humble <laughs> opinion, led to the demise of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, Maguire might actually play on Thursday. Yeah, he might. Yeah. He might play on Thursday fact, because yeah. we have the game against Arsenal on Sunday, which is a big game now. They're flying and, I mean, I really love to beat Arsenal at home, but we'll get, we'll, yeah. that's a different game. We'll concentrate on the Leicester game first. Leicester are in pretty much disarray. They can't beat a 10-man Chelsea team. They have made zero signings. Rodgers looks, I mean, Rodgers could be a good tip for the first manager to leave this season, I think. I mean, him, him and Gerrard, so that's funny. Either yeah. way. Um... <laughs> Either way. Um, yeah, what, what, I mean, so all that said, we'll probably lose, won't we? That, that's the way it seems to me, yeah. Imran, it does, yeah. Uh, in probably hilarious slash calamitous fashion, because they certainly won't want to win the game, you know, on the, on the trajectory there, and so we're going to have to outlose them, first of all, to lose the game. Um, yeah, no, it's, it seems like we should win. I'll be disappointed if we don't, but as you say, it just feels like a banana skin with how bad they've been. They're, they're probably going to be a response, although they do seem like they're in just the, the first throes of an absolute doom cycle. So maybe the response won't be against us. Um, although I think a lot of teams, if they saw United on the rise, would think that is the game to play up for because they'll they'll give you one. Um, but yeah, we should be putting them away. They look, oh, let's see, just desperate. I don't really know what the issue is, Imran. So I appreciate money's not there maybe or something. Um, but even at that, their squad should be decent. Rogers, it's kind of his thing to be good for a while and then really, you know, burn out with it all. So um I just really hope we win because that, in a way, takes pressure off the Arsenal game a little bit, even though I think in of itself, regardless, it will be a massive game for us, um, probably a bigger game for us than it will be for them, um, to kind of reestablish ourselves or to try and uh, gauge where we are, you know, on this kind of new season, started awful, looks a bit better. If we, God forbid, won the next two games, I mean, I'd be in happy land. Yeah, I mean, that would be huge if we can beat Leicester and Arsenal. It really would set us up quite nicely, actually. Um, I mean, we we all should expect to win here. Um, I do expect to see some changes from Ten Hag, just knowing that we got to two games in three days for the first time this season. You'd think mm. you'd chop and change a bit. I could see maybe Ericsson coming out. I could see Casemiro starting. Um, maybe change a couple of changes up top. I don't think we'll have signed Anthony in time with work permits and stuff, even though the window's closed. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how we go about things. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I can I, I will predict a win, but with the, with full knowledge that we could just fall flat on our faces. Definitely, or you know, we could kick on and we could play great football and win well. Uh, one question I did want to ask you, Imran, not really a question, more of a statement for discussion. Dean Henderson is currently a better keeper than David de Gea. Wrong, incorrect. No, absolutely correct. Demonstratively correct. I mean, it is. So what Demonst- did what did David de Gea do last week? He fluffed the easiest shot in the world. Not last week, two weeks ago. Bluff the easy. I mean, he's literally he's been responsible for several goals this year already. Think about. I mean, keepers make mistakes. Think about that is is it's normalized. It's normalized because that's what he's done for so no, long. But keepers, now, all that you keepers think make that's okay at the end of the day. Like Henderson literally yeah. let a ball dribble in past him yesterday. To if De Gea did, if Burn. De Gea conceded that first goal that Forrest conceded yesterday, he would be lambasted. Lamp, from post to pillar, that was a, it's not as bad. It's not as bad as the game. one that he let go through his hands on it's the floor. It's not as bad as that one, true, but it was still really. It's not bad. nearly as bad. Not yeah. nearly yeah. as bad. Yeah. So it was still really you know, bad. even even in the even in the context of them both making mistakes, Dean Henderson does make saves on the other side, saves but then, penalties. So, so as the hair, just hit a, a, obviously a rough bit of form currently. Um, beginning of last season, though, he showed that yes, he still can be an elite shot stopper. It's just the other parts of his game that really let him down. And when he's not being an elite shot stopper, then he becomes a. And what about the really six yard goal kicks? What about the six yard goal kicks now? We just play well, the Henderson ball. Henderson does that and as well. Like, literally. Well, he's not good. He's not good with his feet. Is he as bad as De Gea? I'm not saying. I'm not saying. For two things I'm not saying. I'm not saying Dean Henderson is better than David De Gea has ever been, because that's obviously foolish. And I'm also not saying that Dean Henderson is necessarily good enough for Manchester United. 
I'm just saying he's the better keeper right now and possibly should have been kept. But I also I will admit that it's harder to just be as easy as that because then you have to have to head. Do you sell him? Do you shift him? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And obviously the decision was made. I wonder as the season goes on, will we, will we see that as a bad decision? I would say as the season goes on, you will see Henderson being a fairly all right keeper for Forrest. Not great. Probably letting some shots that he should save because his positioning's quite poor. He has generally quite poor positioning for a goalkeeper, but he will make some decent saves, save some penalties, whatever. But you also probably see De Gea saving some, maybe not saving some penalties. You won't see him saving any penalties. Well, to be fair, last season he did save half the penalties he, saved, he faced last season. Fair yeah. So give him, yeah, also, give him I think maybe but, he might have set a record for the most cringiest uh, European final ever yeah, as true. regards but, to not coming but, anywhere close to saving not, a penalty. But, but generally, he'll probably hit some form, probably do some great saves. Well, we've seen him De Gea make great saves probably happen. If not, ultimately, neither of these people should be our keeper at the end of the year. So if you are telling me no, at agree. the beginning of this summer, we should have, we should have said Hend- Henderson's our number one, De Gea's our number two. And that just kicks the can down the road because then next you've got to get rid of two right, keepers. Right, right, right. So you're saying Absolutely you're saying ridiculous. both of them are yeah, both of them are not good enough. Better to keep the Hicks. He's more easy to replace long term, i.e., with a proper you know bazuna or whatever his name is, you know, next year or whatever. Um, and then you can actually just drop the hair slash sell him. Whereas if you made Henderson your number one, you'd be you'd be doing that experiment for three four years. Exactly. And then also Henderson mm-hmm. isn't demonstrably good. I mean Henderson's probably better at hair than crossing. His shot stopping is not demonstrably better than De Gea's, and especially if De Gea hits form, then it definitely isn't. So, and then I think, shit with I think feet, his presence so. is better. I think his command of the box is better. I think his organization is better. I think his bravery and personality are probably better. I think his shot stopping is about on a par across the season because De Gea makes as many mistakes as he makes great saves these days, and I think his feet are marginally better. Well, but you remember, and he, penalties. He, he did play for us a fair few times. In the yeah, like Henson. ten games. Well, no, it was more than that. It's probably about fifteen, twenty, and it, it wasn't. It was never great. Let's be honest. It never, it never <laughs> it grabbed. Started well. This, it started this, well, and then went pretty downhill. This is this is the most amazing keeper I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Basically, there's no point in discussing either. Ultimately, next season we should be looking to get a new keeper. If you ask me who it was, it would be Raya from Brentford or Jose Saf from Wolves. Yeah, putting those two names out options. there. Both would be. Very I just good see options. you. I I've just seen you put throwing a lot of shade. I think Henderson is not a very good goalkeeper. Who is a big, 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 <laughs> well, it's, it's big personal bit of times right as well. It's seen personal times as well. Well, it just he's hit a bit of form, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's clearly the best keeper in the world." He's not. He's a, he's a fairly average keeper who will do a decent job in the Premiership. Ultimately, we should be looking higher than that. I really don't get this idea that oh, why are we keeping De Gea when Henderson's over there? Like, I mean, we're talking about two keepers. Well, who... I mean, to be fair, most people's argument is just. Is just why are we keeping De Gea? And then the natural little extension of that is when Dean Henderson's over there. But really, it's the first half of that sentence that is the issue, not the not the second half. You know, I just I feel like the um, people are quick to jump on De Gea for his mistakes, but then when Henderson makes a mistake, it's just like oh whatever. It's you know he's young, he's learning whatever. De Gea will make mistakes, but he'll also probably pull out some really good saves at some point in the season. Probably saves that Henderson wouldn't himself make. So. Um, We'll see. We'll have to see how the season pans out. Um, Forrest, obviously, on a high of just being promoted. He's on a high of just being... Bought 74 players. Yeah, exactly. Bought 100 players. He's on a high of just moving, having banished his demonic uh, parent club. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. All the the lies that were told to him about his uh, position. Exactly. Before he got COVID-19. I mean, ultimately, I didn't think he had the great season at Sheffield United that one season. Uh, But then I also think that Ramsdale's not a very good keeper and people bang on about him so maybe i don't maybe i don't know anything about keepers maybe that I, mean, I think Nick Pope's the best english keeper by some distance i uh, see i would disagree i don't think ramsdale's all that at all i think he uh makes i, say, I said i nick pope. He... i said i think nick, oh, nick, nick pope, pope is the best english Sorry. keeper yeah yeah i agree with that i think nick pope is the best english keeper by some distance uh i feel like ramsdale fools people into thinking he's a great keeper because he shouts a lot um any any comments on this keeper section uh Talk to Colm. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in being going. <laughs> Mine firmly made up. <laughs> See you next year. We, yeah, we, we need a new keeper. It's neither Henderson nor De Gea. That's, that is basically yeah. where I'm at. Um, and yeah. Did, did you know Wolves bought Jose Safa like £7 million last year? That is crazy. I know it's wild. But even, even like um, the Southampton keeper, I think it is Bazuna. Um, I'm not sure how you say it again. But uh, he came from City and he, he, he's going to be unbelievable. That 20, the one who was in net on the weekend? Like twenty, yeah. he's like he's like twelve, is he? Gavin, yeah, he's Irish. Yeah, is he? Oh, then he will be terrible. Yeah. Come on, no, he will be good. When, he's the next. When was the last time I learned? Shea Gavin, Shea Gavin, Shea Gavin. Well, Shea too Gavin. short, wasn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, no, I think he, no, he'd be top class. I generally think he'd be top class. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't actually think they're that hard to find. To be honest, I think we just don't. I don't think we value it. Uh, well, I think a lot we, of clubs don't value it, like in general. Do you know if what we mean? truly decide that uh, Messier is the one to do place to hear, I might shoot I don't myself. Don't think he is. Right, yeah, okay. no, I don't think he is. Um, and, well, and and then, so yeah, that's what we'll leave this uh, this United hour. Um, on, uh, on some pained goalkeeper chat. On pained goalkeeper chat. Look, we won't get a new goalkeeper for being now at the end of the window. I can kind of see that. I can see the reason why shifting De Gea and buying a keeper that's too much for this club in one window when we're we're, we're too ch- chasing De, De Jong for three months so you know mm-hmm. um it's interesting though because we are literally playing a style of football now that would be completely as opposed to Eric ten Hag style of just launching the ball um so it is quite interesting how ten Hag is willing to compromise on his style uh for the functionality of the team but you think you would think next year that we will actually go back to i think kicking honestly the ball i think that's probably an indicate i think that's an indication of how big he thinks the problems are yeah like he just does not I think he's fiercely realistic in, in, in all things. You know, he comes across so point of fact and, and I think he he has this idea of how he wants to play and he he will be ruthless about that. But at the moment he's I think he literally is accepting I just simply can't do that or we'll get beaten every week. Interestingly so, though, he has yeah. bought a lone keeper who is pretty much all the same traits as De Gea. Yeah. Good shot stopping not good with his feet. Yeah, I think that's again just a lack of I mean the names being thrown around in the keeper market are bad. You know, they're all so 40, 40 year old German keepers. I don't know. They're all awful. So, um, so yeah, we'll 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 see where the squad looks like in a couple of days. Uh, as I said, we'll be hopefully back after the Leicester game, straight after the Leicester game. We'll try to get a pod together because that will be the end of the transfer window as well. Um, if not, we'll be after the Arsenal game for definite. Um, but yeah, until then, you can always follow us on United Hour on Twitter, um, on Instagram, get on Red Cafe, give us a comment in the thread, all the good stuff. Um, but yeah, until then, cheers for joining me, Cole. Cheers. United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network, edited by Imran Lahair, and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore Hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.